Hey everyone, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridor's traffic report. It's October 17th. We have, I think, six weeks of college football in the books. Actually, seven weeks of college football in the book books right now. Uh, Shane Hoffman's here with me. Uh, he was at the Oregon State win over Washington State on Saturday. Uh, Shane, happy Monday, man. How are you doing? Doing well. We skipped last week, so we got a little bit to talk about this week, and then we obviously got a huge weekend coming up. Well, the, the, the reason why we skipped last week's recording is you and I both went to Oregon's basketball practice on Monday, and the, the initial plan was we were going to do a podcast right afterwards, but practice ran long, and uh, um, yeah. You had a dinner not, date. It, 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 it's, it's, it's not really that good of a story, but uh, but we'll we'll bring some basketball thoughts here at the end of this, this podcast, but I think what everyone really... Um, just wants wants to hear about for this week is uh, Colorado got a win, man. Like the buffs, the buffs <laughs> are on the board. Yeah, let's let's start there. Uh, good for them, last FBS team um, in the nation to get one. Um, I I kind of wrote about it, but I, the main thing there was just like kind of a low point for Cal. Um, yeah. They obviously they held tight with Notre Dame early in the season, which doesn't even look impressive anymore. You know, they've had their moments, and I was looking back through Justin Wilcox's time, and he had a few good years there, 2018, 2019, but has never really been able to put it together up there, and they don't recruit well either, so not much talent coming in either. Yeah, they they had they had such a tough run during you know the pandemic, and they they had they had way tougher restrictions there in Berkeley than pretty much anyone else in the country, but um, you know at this point that you're you're removed from that and. Uh, it's it's just as as you wrote it's it's quite the the stark contrast as Oregon Oregon right now is five and one and I I think everyone is fully on board the Dan Lanning Kenny Dillingham train and you know I I don't I still don't think Justin Wilcox is a bad coach but I think he's the type of coach that needs a lot of things to to happen or I think momentum's probably important and they just don't have any and and that's at a school where you're not gonna you're not gonna get any <laughs> not you're not gonna get any thrown your way. Yeah, well, it's important to mention the COVID stuff because that was a big deal. Um, but I, I think the big thing for me is, like, he's had good defenses there pretty much every year, you know, talent notwithstanding, right? And on the flip side, they just haven't been able to get it going on offense. They've kind of cycled through quarterbacks and uh, coordinators um, and outside of a, maybe a good stretch or two there, like I said, in 2018, they just haven't been able to put together the offense. Um, and it, it's also, I mean, it's good to see, you know, Colorado not being the worst team in the nation this week. And that's always helpful for a team that, uh, if for a conference route, that's finally getting some kind of national buzz. Is uh, is Oregon State good? You know, I think they are. Um, I went pretty hard. <clears throat> excuse me, I went pretty hard on the kind of they're not good enough to hang with the elite because of their quarterback issues the last few weeks. Um, but I was really, really honestly taken aback um, in a good way by their win. Um, you know, at home with a good environment, night game, you you kind of hope the fans play a role in that, but. I thought they played their most complete game of the year. Um, it seemed like maybe Coach Smith thought it was their best game of the year. Um, you know, they didn't, you know, he, and he said this, they didn't put up 40 points, right? But they stuck to their kind of, they're stuck inside their wheelhouse on offense where they did some nice stuff in the run game. And they got some pop with a few big passing plays and then one really impressive catch in the end zone um, by Anthony Gould. And then on defense, they kind of held down, you know, 
what hasn't been necessarily an elite Washington State offense, but one that's certainly got a better quarterback than they've had and one of the best quarterbacks they've played this year, and, and they held them to 10 points, and I thought the defense played their best game of the year, and that's a unit we have talked about before, but it all kind of came together on Saturday. Yeah, it's been it's been really easy that the previous two weeks where where Oregon State played probably two of the the three best teams in the conference. Um, it, it was really easy to point out like what they were lacking, and it was very very obvious that Oregon State was just kind of a quarterback behind those two teams. But um, you know, as as you kind of pointed out this week, it's just like it's wins let you kind of illustrate the things that are working well. And yeah, like quarterback is still kind of up in the air, but they have one of the most consistent running games in the Pac-12, and that's kind of been a staple throughout Jonathan Smith's tenure. Um, and that defense has some teeth to it. It's, it's, it's fun watching the kind of the pressure that they're able to dial up when things are working. I know that front seven has been a bit inconsistent, but they are so good on that back end um, in their defensive backfield that when you do have a defensive front that is what was it like six sacks on saturday yeah and it was impressive because their pass rush has not been amazing this year you know yeah yeah and and, and so when so when you're able to kind of like tune those two pieces up together like they're they're, they're a team that's going to at least be in games against good teams minus maybe that utah game two weeks ago um but yeah it's 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 fun to watch and again i still think that they are a program that should completely just market themselves to uh, transfer market quarterbacks because I, I think Jonathan Smith has proven that they can build just about everything else up around there. Yeah, 100%. And, and their quarterbacks, they don't need to be amazing this year. They just need to manage the game. We, we hear game manager tossed around a lot. And I think sometimes it can kind of put a quarterback down in a way, but sometimes it's almost too generous because it's like, you know, the reason that we were kind of criticizing the quarterbacks was the fact that they were turning the ball over so much and they escaped this game with one turnover, which was a was a rough one. I'm not going to lie. And it kind of had me worried there for a second and only two penalties for 10 yards. When you do that, I mean, that gives you a huge leg up, whoever you're playing. And so if you can manage a game like that and lean on the running game, lean on the defense. I mean, I haven't it's been a while since I've seen a team um, with DBs that get their hands yeah. on this many balls. I mean, they, they're they're all over the place. Um, and so I, I don't think we were wrong to at times maybe question how good this team was because they came out and they were the ones who kind of made it made it known that they had expectations of Pac-12 championship maybe, right? And it wasn't – it was less, you know, a media kind of narrative. It was more they brought that up. And so getting past that, I think they're they're at a good place right now. But, you know. that That's, that's actually a, a fairly interesting point because – and I know this is something that we've talked about a little bit in the past, but like, you know, Jonathan Smith has never really shied away from at least probably expecting more out of the team than, than everyone else does. And yeah, like I, like this is a completely team driven <laughs> team driven level of expectations. Cause if you were to just like stack rosters on paper and I, I don't have it right now, but if you were to go into the, the two, four sevens, uh, uh, college football talent levels like i i would assume oregon state's near in at least in the bottom third of the pac-12 um so yeah for for them to have those expectations and uh to meet them now for you know at least going on two years in a row is is, is pretty impressive and especially with especially with the schedule that they got coming up the next four weeks like i think that was what was so impressive about this washington state win is not only was it a win a quality win against a quality pac-12 opponent but it really sets them up nicely for this next month here it does, you know, yeah, it's 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 Washington on the road, but outside of that, and that's a winnable game. You know, aside from that, though, it's it's ASU, 
it's Cal and it's Colorado. And that's those teams out of order, I realize, but that comprises their next month before the Ducks come into town. And it's like, that could totally be a, a three and one, four and oh. And if, if they're, you know, if they go three and one, four and oh, they're an eight, nine win team when the Ducks come into town. And then it's like you zoom out. And yes, you, you, when you when you fumble the way that USC game, which was so, so winnable, and if they won, we're looking at this so differently. But you fumble away that, yeah, yeah you, you might not be one of the top two teams in the conference now, but they could escape with only, you know, two losses in the conference, maybe a third with Oregon. It's like that's such a good step in the right direction for whatever comes next. It's like I think about this. This is going to be a little tiny bit of a tangent here, but I think about like <laughs> when I watch – basketball like teams go all in and they miss their window and i'm almost glad that for oregon state they didn't pull off those ranked wins only in that it raises the expectation bar so quickly in a way that it sets the 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 team up for disappointment quicker in the next season or whatever because you get so excited early these expectations start to pile on and now it's like i think oregon state is taking this really gradual approach to where they're gonna they're they're already five wins they won seven games last year they didn't win eight or nine right it's like this gradual approach that's going to work so well um i i have the talent composite up now and uh oregon state has the 10th most talented roster in the pac-12 only more talented than colorado and washington state um obviously that makes it look like there's pretty good coaching at in corvallis and pullman uh surprising one stanford has the fourth most talent in the pac-12 i wouldn't have assumed that um, they think... they get a guy or two in every cycle, you know. Yeah. That it's that Stanford still kind of alluring because of its history and its academic kind of um, promise, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't think either of us were surprised that USC got knocked off. I, I don't know if we were both like I don't, we don't do picks, but I don't. I wasn't picking Utah to beat them this week, but now in retrospect, like of course they, of course Utah beat them, but. Um, you wrote about that in, in the I five today, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, I just felt like, I felt like this USC needed to be caught up on. Like we, we've been talking about since before the season started about how like, yeah, the offense is going to be good, but you know, the defense was terrible last year and they didn't quite address that. Like they did the offense this year. And, um, you know, unless you're reading Bill Plaschke, you probably knew that this team had some some glaring holes to it, and and you definitely saw that against in in, a, in an incredibly entertaining game against Utah. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I had it on in in the in the press box, kind of leading up to and and throughout the first half of that Oregon State game, just in the background, because just they kept scoring. You know, it looked like USC might take control early, but um, Cam Rising put together you know just by far the best game of his career. And I saw it was like the first Utah quarterback to throw for 400 yards in over a decade. Um, I believe something like that, maybe 15 years, 2007, maybe um, he was really impressive. And I think honestly, like we're talking about with Oregon State, I don't think this is a bad thing for USC. You know, I don't know if they were ever going to be a playoff team this year. Right. And so get yeah. one loss. They're still in thick of things. They probably could still easily win the, not easily, but they could totally still win the, the conference. It's like, I think, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say like they got humbled. Right. But to kind of look in the mirror a little bit, that defense, they got a they got a goal line fumble recovery and it still wasn't enough. They got that turnover they've been getting right. And it still wasn't enough, you know, when Caleb William threw five touchdowns, this, that, whatever. And Hey, Utah, all of a sudden, you know, they were staring down the barrel of four and three. And I realized one of those losses is non-conference, but they really flipped, flipped the kind of script this week. I, I didn't quite understand some of like the expectation and media coverage of, of USC this season, because I mean, they do have a talented roster. And when you do get Caleb Williams coming in, um, 
you know, obviously you can, you can make things work with that. But like, if I'm Lincoln Riley, like, you know, I, I'd encourage people to be like, Hey, like we're building towards something like this year's kind of gravy, but like from the start, it's been, I mean, you know, as, as we've kind of joked about on this podcast, like from like the first week, it's been like LA times headlines, like, you know, this, this is the best team in the country. And it's like, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I appreciate kind of the bandwagon down there. And I think college football is better when, when USC is good and, and like football is, is popping down there. But like, it, it just felt like it was jumping the gun a little bit. I couldn't agree more. I think we had very similar kind of um, thoughts on this team entering the year. And quite honestly, they've surpassed mine. Even despite this loss, like they're, they're better this year than I thought they were going to be right away. I thought they look this year, how I'd have expected them to look next year. And th- like they were terrible last year. Like I think that's awful, what like people awful. like 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 Lincoln Riley's done a phenomenal job this year. Like even if they lose like one or two more games, like they were like like it was they they were just a bad football team last year, and now they're a top fifteen football team pretty clearly. Yeah, and the, and the quarterback totally helps. But let's be real. Like even when USC sucked the last few years, or not sucked, but was super middling, they had good quarterback play, and they actually had good offenses. So to come in, and I know he had some big transfers too, but I think it's really impressive. And I think overall, like, I, yeah, I don't know. They're just ahead of schedule. That's what I'll say. Um, pretty big game coming to Eugene on Saturday. I'm thrilled. <laughs> it's it's going to be a fun one. I, uh, I, I was a little bit surprised that game day actually came, considering it's a, a Fox kickoff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a zoo. I mean, there's... It's been quite some time since probably a game of like just like this sort of stature came came to Eugene. Um, two top ten teams, uh, top ten Pac twelve games just don't happen in, in this conference. It's it's been quite some time. Um, yeah, twenty eighteen was the last time, and that was I think Washington Washington State, and that was a fringe top ten. You know. Yeah, and then uh, and then you just have the whole storyline on top of it of chip coming back and, and him having like the best year since he's left Oregon uh, landing and the fact that they've turned this thing around since that Georgia loss. And if they do win this game, like realistically, like the playoff could still kind of be in the picture. So I, I think you can make an argument that considering what's on the line for both sides here, um, this is one of the most important games uh, in Eugene, maybe probably since Michigan state 2014. Hmm, good call. I remember watching that game actually. Yeah. This uh this game there's so much to talk about and there's so much, you know, content that's going to be coming from from the site this week on this game, but the thing that I think is nice really plug, important nice plug, nice plug, you're learning. <laughs> I'm learning, I'm learning, but no, I think just like the national perspective around Oregon is still kind of skewed. I think we do obviously I think we do a good job of not ever really having like having any homerism or bias and I think like we've both felt like despite how bad they looked early, like Oregon's actually been better than a lot of people are talking about. Like I, they totally surprised me. And I don't think anyone was more down maybe early than I was. And just like, you know, you see these DTR Heisman, you know, race rankings and Bonex isn't even mentioned where it's like, they're having the same kind of year. And yeah, I know that UCLA has that Utah win, but you know, Oregon, Oregon had that BYU win, which maybe doesn't look as good anymore, but they're, they're right there. And so I think, this week has the potential to really flip the narrative where it's like all of a sudden we come out and if Oregon does win, I know they're favored by I think five and a half or six points. It's like, if they win all of a sudden Oregon and Bo Nix are going to be the, the PAC 12 buzz for the next you know week or two. If, uh, 
if you are the gambling type, I would maybe take a look. Just just take a glance at what Bonex is at right now because um, he it's either going to get crumbled by what happens on Saturday or it's going to like he's going to jump into like the top five of the Heisman race. So uh, it might be good gettings if, uh, if if you're into that sort of thing this week. Yeah, and, and we don't have to dive into the game itself too much now. But what I will say, um, we, we've seen it seen a lot lately, actually, with these games that you expect to be shootouts, both at the pro and college level. Sometimes they're not shootouts. Sometimes they go opposite. I don't I don't think this game is going to do that. I think this game is going to be really high scoring, and I think it's going to be totally a battle between those quarterbacks. I don't think either defense is very good. Yeah, no, I, it, it might be first to 100 wins in this thing. Um what did uh what's what did anything stand out to you from from basketball practice last week? Um, I just think it seems more like an Altman team. I think and and I'm 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 guilty of this. I think a lot of people got kind of blinded by the resumes of guys that came in last year. And yeah, again, I'm guilty of this thought that team was gonna be top fifteen right away and could get higher than that, just because of the talent level and the resumes. And then looking back on it now, we realize this throughout the season. You know, I, I feel like I wrote very honestly about the team last year um, when they weren't doing well, but they didn't make sense together, like, at all. And the more you yeah. talk to these guys and the more you read up, it sounds like the locker room was totally broken. And then I was at practice and you were there too. And it's like, this team seems like it's got all the components to be just, a, you know, I'm not going to put a, expectations on it, but just a really sound Altman team. Yeah, and, and it seemed like they were jiving well together. I mean, like, you know, they they knew they were practicing in front of media. So you got to keep that, uh, keep that in the back of your mind there. But I mean, it was, it was an up-tempo practice. I mean, like everyone was listening to Altman. Like, you know, I think that's the one thing that I, you and I were talking about is, you know, this, this team has had their struggles occasionally since the final four run, but um, I don't think, you know, he's 64 now, but I don't think like fire or drive is uh, any part of the issue of, of whether or not like these teams are going to be successful or not. Like, Altman still very clearly wants it. It's just they've um, they just haven't quite matched kind of the level of play that that maybe like their roster would make you think that they'd reach the last couple of seasons. Yeah, you said a second ago that you thought college football was better when you yeah USC is good. Pac-12 basketball and winter in Oregon is so much better when <laughs> Altman teams are competitive and playing the right way. And we don't need to jump in any you know specifics because there's so much time still, and we'll be writing a, a ton about it, but. I think it's just going to be cool because I think it's going to kind of get back to just kind of the root of what Altman does. Um, but there's also going to be some flash. I mean, Dante looks super, super good. He looks yeah, super healthy. That, that that's that's the one that I wanted wanted to talk about is because yeah, I mean, like he was a five star dude coming in. A lot of people thought he might have been a lottery pick, and then like he just has like he's been off and on unhealthy the entire time he's been here. And so to get him healthy at like he's he's a monster out there. Like he's he takes up so much room, um, and then to he runs to get, the floor really well. Yeah, and then to be able to get a full summer for like the first time, because um, it's been screwed up with COVID the last couple of years, um, and then for like I think this was really good timing for them to have that Canada trip too, and just to get like that experience together, playing with each other a little bit more in August, and just getting to know each other. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I I I think I'm done doing any sort of like preseason prediction for what an Altman team might be. But I, I think, I think there's a lot of signs with this one that are pointing towards this could be a, an encouraging season for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, just real quick on Dante, like he hasn't maybe developed other skills outside of what he came in with, but he, he 
he's gotten more physical, he's matured, and there's still a place for that really good rim running shot blocker in college. It's still such a dominant kind of tool to be able to bring out. And they, they have the five-star center. That's a projected lottery pick right behind him and where as well. Yeah. And so the, the, the last thing I wanted to say is like, you asked me when we were there who the best player on this team was. Uh, I, I said, well, Richardson kind of paused and you were like, you know, are you, I, I think you said something like if, if Will Richardson's your best player, you're not making the sweet 16 or something like that. And then I, I said, you know, that might be true, but I think there's a really clear top three, both in terms of pedigree leadership and skills with him. Dante and Gary, who I think is going to have a huge year this year. Uh, first of all, I told you that in confidence. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, no, man, I'm 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 stoked for the season. I, I think they could be good. I think I think Kelly Graves has that the women's team kind of pointed right back in the right direction. I mean, they're obviously so talented with the recruiting he does um, on that side of things. So, mm-hmm. um, I was going to say real su- super quickly on on just on just the state of Oregon with basketball. I think one thing that could be, could be cool. I'm sure we'll cover is how the hell does Oregon state get oh back God, on, right. like the, especially the men's team get back on some sort of path after how just despicably bad they were last year. It, it's, it's, it's amazing. Just the, probably the level of feel for that program today, today versus like this time a year ago where they're still coming off the lead eight run and Tinkle signed the extension and they think that things are finally turning around. And then last year was one of the worst seasons in program history. Oh, God, it was awful. Everyone there seemed like they hated it. Uh, the women's team is obviously going to be good again. But, yeah, I think it's going to be cool. I think it would be good gear all around, right? at least exciting gear. Uh, you going to set your alarm for like 4 a.m. and go to game day on Saturday? Uh, I was just having a conversation with some buddies about this because I'm going to be going – I actually, I think it'll be actually helpful almost to have me there, maybe as more of like a dude, the quote unquote dude, fan dude, perspective. Dude, 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 you just have to have like an I five corridor sign. Like, there you go. We'll see. See, so okay, this is where we landed on the on the discussion. Is so uh, my first game as a freshman before I was even really covering the team was that Stanford game day game, and I went early and it was cool. But you know, you get you get up, you're drinking a little bit, and then the game starts, and the game is another four hours. You say. You know, if we make it, we make it, but I'm not going to set my alarm. I'm not camping out. I'm Maybe I'll wake up at seven or eight, right? But nothing too crazy, but I'm going to be interested to see um, all, all all that kind of stuff. And just, I think, you know, even standing room tickets, we're getting up to close to like 80, 90 bucks. So it's going to be a packed stadium, I think. Um, I actually just had a friend who bought tickets on SeatGeek, and then he got some messaging from Oregon saying they were fraudulent tickets, and he's SOL, and he spent like 400 bucks on them. So uh, it's a hot Jeez. ticket this week, and people are getting taken advantage of. So, um, Oh, th- like the other thing that I wanted to mention, and I'll, I'll probably send a note out about this later in the week if I end up doing it, but um, I was thinking in, in lieu, I mean, since it's an early kickoff and people are going to be probably packing to Austin early, uh, I think the corridor is going to get to the parking lot in the tailgates early and just have a little table out there, a little meet and greet if anybody wants to come stop by and uh, uh, chat about the game beforehand. So uh, I look forward to talking to two of you. (laughs) (laughs) Over under 1.5. Yeah, exactly. All right, Shane, anything else? That's it. I think it'll be a cool week of content, though, so keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. These are – I always kind of – I talk about how – much i hate like the first like three or four weeks of college football season especially when you're covering a really good team because there's so many blowouts or 
it's an early season game like Georgia. That's you know, it's it's a big game that means something, but it's it's way too early to really mean something. But like here, when you get into like mid August and you got these types of games, like like this is as as good as it gets. Oh yeah, you you got a whole new energy about you this week. You're back. <sighs> I'm back, baby. It's 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 because I don't have to worry about stupid baseball. I mean, like who who even likes playoff baseball, Shane? Like I I'm I'm glad that I don't like a team that's in the playoffs anymore. So not anymore. <laughs> 